You are listening to Rights Cast, CJP's podcast series. What makes our constitution egalitarian? Have we imported the ideas of equality, liberty and fraternity from western cultures as alleged by fundamentalists? Or has it been passed on to us by innumerable social reformers and philosophers who have been an integral part of history in every century, much like Basavanna? the lingayat social reformer of the 12th century what are the questions that we need to ask when we look at our traditions and history how did poetry philosophy mystic and spiritual questionings come together in previous centuries to build notions of equality and justice in this podcast cjp secretary pista setalwat takes us on a journey of understanding our history that countered the ideas of far right supremacists through the texts of vachana sahitya by the sharanas which has been edited and published by the late mm kalburgi and translated to over 20 languages she goes on to quote from the bijak of kabir which was written by kabir in the 17th century the poems and writings of stalwarts like sant soirabai the dalit saint poet who sang against brahminical patriarchy the poems of janabai the renowned dalit saint whose compositions have been preserved with many marathi celebrated poets the writings of marathi writer and dalit activist shantabai kamle stories of powerful historical figures like chhatrapati shaoji maharaj the pillar of social democracy and many more listen to her from this point onward this book i'm talking about this mammoth work over 8 9 centuries which we've recovered somehow in the uh, last few decades if you look at these pages in memory of none less than mm kalburgi uh, who is the chief editor of this multilingual vachana translation project of the basava samiti he was editor of the kannada original dr mm kalburgi and as i mentioned august 2015 he was shot dead brutally in the third rationalist murder that we have seen uh, post 2013 the first being that in the dabolkar then we had govind pansare mm kalburgi and then our journalist friend gauri lankesh so this one was as i said tr- translated english translation by dr nagabhushana swami and this particular volume as i mentioned is a collection now available in wondrous number of languages including english world languages a selection of 2500 vachanas which have been made from among the 21000 compositions of the basava era and the post basava era which is like i said 11th 12th to 18th century and they constitute the core text which is translated into various languages now like i mentioned that the vachana tradition the basava tradition talks about moving towards an egalitarian society and an enriched society and one of the important features of this enriched society is social equality and ethics for the world and vachana and rachane that is the rendition is very very important so the aesthetic rendition of the vachana is very critical to this tradition but coming back to the words it's the sharana philosophy we are talking about the sharana philosophy or kayaka has six features one that kayaka is compulsory meaning work is compulsory kayaka itself is divinity work is divinity no discrimination between between different types of kayaka kayaka can be optional excess of reward is not desirable and kayaka is always accompanied by dasoha now 
compulsory kayaka. Food is God. If food is God, then the kayaka which produces it also should be God. And Sharanas understood this and included kayakas within their religious framework, spiritual framework. Now, Avachana, reading it out. Those who are without kayaka are not devotees. That which is not truthful and pure is not kayaka. Desire is the seed of this world. Lack of desire is liberation. Look, Ava, it is not easy with Urlinga Kapedikarasa. Thus says Kalavya, testifying this belief. Now, I just want to connect this to something that is very essential to the Basava faith, which is no discrimination between different labors. And by the time the Sharanas appeared on the horizon, there was a feeling that intellectual work was superior to physical labor and hence was more accepted or dignified. And they declared, the Sharanas declared that all kinds of works are equal and they observed that heating the metal, one becomes a blacksmith, washing the clothes, one becomes a washerman, weaving a cloth, one becomes a weaver, reading the Vedas, one becomes a Brahmin. That's the 427 number of the Vachanas. So speaking about physical labor, they place intellectual labor on the same level, saying reading the Vedas, one became a Brahmin. Thus all Kayakas are equated. There are differences in profession, but there is no discrimination of Kayaka, high or low. Further, they question and reject the discrimination of caste on the basis of the work one does. The iconic story of Basava throwing off his Janoi as a volt and giving gender equality is very, very crucial. There's also strong talk in the history of the Lingayat tradition, which has not really been historically explored, of a huge backlash, which is also brought up in the Girish Kanar play. And uh, it is that the, 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 the kind of the radical ideas put forward by the Basava tradition also led to a mass massacre or a genocide. But that we won't get into here because it's not been explored to the historical extent that the imagery suggests. Chokamela, as mentioned in our uh, exploration, is an important Maharvarkari poet of the 14th century. And one very beautiful poem, searing poem that he wrote, which is available for us. And these, you have 100 poems of Chokamela translated by Abayke, you have them translated and available. You have the verse also been immortalized, this particular verse, by Bal Gandharva in the 1931 play, Santa Kanopatra. Chokamela wrote poetry in Maharashtra, as I said, and this is the one poem which is very, very crucial. They thrash me, Vitu. Now, don't walk so slow. The pundits whip some crime. Don't know what. How did Vitoba's necklace come around your throat? They curse and strike and say, I polluted you. Do not send the cur at your door. Away, giver of everything, you. Chakrapani, yours is the deed. With folded hands, Chokha begs, I reveal doubt secret, don't turn away. Us Dongapari is one of the most popular poems of Chokha Mala that is often taught to school children in Maharashtra. And it's featured also in the book of 100 great poems by Abhayki. Another Chokha Mala composition. The sugar cane is crooked, but not its juice. The bow is curved, not the arrow. The river is bent, but not its water. Chokha is twisted, not his faith. Why are you drawn to the shape of the thing? Many young artists, young and old, one more Chokha Mila composition which lives amongst us, sought over, sung over by artists 
even today, Johar Maipap. It garners loud applause at musical gatherings despite its wrenching lyrics which describe the poet begging for leftover food. Johar Maipap Johar, I am the mahar of your mahars. I am come, starved for your leavings. The servant of your servants wails with hope. I have brought, says Chokha, my bowl for your leavings. Soirabai, also 14th century, who called herself Chokha's Mahari. Soirabai was not alone. There was Janabai, other Dalit women poets, Gonabai, Aobai, Kanopatra, Sakhubai, and of course, Tukaram's contemporary, not a Dalit, Bainabai. So we now come to a Soirabai composition. All the colors have merged to be one. God of colors himself is colored in this color. The distinction between I and you have eliminated upon seeing the God of Pandari. There is no place for discrimination. Anger and lust too have disappeared. Though you are embodied, you are formless. I see you in constant state of meditation. There remains no difference between the spectator and the gaze, says Chokha's Mahari. This was translated from the Marathi by Vidula Sonagra. As I said, she is known as a woman Dalit Mahar poet and her poetry conveys poverty, often referring to the leftover food which was distributed to Dalits after religious feasts. There's another powerful composition which has been translated by Eleanor Zelliot. The Brahmins of Pandari had a stroka. God was surprised at this. Everyone gathered at Chokha's house. Wealth and power stood at the door. Rangoli at the entrance, flags at the gate. Joyous Kirtan of Vaishnavas. The celebration was like Diwali and Dasara. Soira waves the lights of Arati before Chokha. I'll end with a short story narrated to us by Vidula Sunagra and Vidyut Bhagwat, who tell us that we need to remember Sohrabai, Janabai and others as Mahar Dalits as much as women because they experience the bitterness of caste as much as that of gender disparity. Shantabai Kamle recalls in her autobiography, Madhya Jalmachi Chitrakatha, a kaleidoscopic story of my life, how she was asked about her caste before being served water by a fellow Varkari from a distance. So much for the essential egalitarianism of the Varkari tradition and the continuing, enduring exclusion of caste. Janabai, another contemporary of Chokhamela and Sohrabai, the padar has slipped onto my shoulder. I don't give a damn. I'll go to the bazaar. I'll take the taal in my hand, the veena on my shoulder. Who can stop me now? And among the wonderful recent renderings of this, is by Shruti Vishwanath. Tukaram, Maharashtra, the volumes I was speaking about, Dilip Chitre, says Tuka, very old edition I have from my college days, says Tuka, selected poems of Tukaram, translated from the Marathi with an introduction by Dilip Chitre. The introduction was part of a lecture delivered by the Marathi poet in Germany. Uh, this entire volume, says Tuka, which is itself uh, two or three volumes, says Tuka, is uh, divided into 10 parts, which include the first one being a poet, second one being human, third being a devotee, fourth being in turmoil, fifth being in time and place, sixth being a sage, 
7 being a saint, 8 being blessed, 9 absolute being and 10 is a farewell to be. Now, if you look at the entire introduction to this and the, and the first page is very, very interesting, uh, you, you get uh, the abhangs of Tukka. And the first one I'd like to read here is this one. Words are the only jewels I possess. Words are the only clothes I wear. Words are the only food that sustains my life. Words are the only wealth I distribute among people. Says Tukka, witness the word. He is God. I worship him with words. And then in the section which, being human, I am telling you the truth, O saints. I have sinned more than most. I can't understand why you find me worthy of love. I am my own witness, so trust what my conscience tells me. I have overcome nothing. My fame is based on mere hearsay. Much harrowed by a life full of hardships, I stole like a stubborn bullock. That's bad enough of, of whipping and twisting of the tail by pulling a hard plough. I just dropped out and stayed still. Soon, what savings I had vanished. No, I didn't make any sacrifice. I didn't give it away in charity. He then speaks about cutting himself from his wife, how ashamed he was to show his face to anyone because he disappeared for long bits of time. And then there is this very, very powerful abhang about food or hunger. As for my sharing food with anyone, the truth is I was always starving and unable to bear the pangs of hunger. So mercilessly, I accepted any invitation to a meal, chewing up more than my share. Finally, my devotion to this God, the fact is, it's a habit I inherited from my father. You see, this deity's worship runs in the family. It's no big deal, says Tuka. Don't mistake it for extraordinary bhakti. Self-effacing, questioning and very, very honest. That's Tukara. Bijak of Kabir, a very legendary translation, Linda Heiss. This is the volume I have and which I use. Again, a volume I've had for a long, long time. This edition is from first edition 1983 and the first Indian edition is 1986. This one is for sale in India only. And of course, there's so much to read when you read the Bijak of Kabir. I'll choose this one. This one is number 41 from this volume. Pandit, look in your own heart for knowledge. Tell me where untouchability came from since you believe in it. Mix red juice, white juice and air. A body bakes in a body. As soon as the eight lotuses are ready, it comes into the world. Then what's untouchable? 8,400,000 vessels decay into dust while the potter keeps slapping clay on the wheel and with a touch cuts each one off. We eat by touching. We wash by touching. From a touch the world was born. So who's untouched? Asks Kabir. Only he who has no taint of Maya. Shivaji Kon Hote. Who was Shivaji? By Govind Pansari, as I was mentioning. Born 17 years before Tuka disappeared in 1650. Why is Shivaji worth recalling in a democracy? Pansari tells us. And we must remember Shivaji to challenge those who invoke his name and yet cover up sins of their loved ones. And then he speaks about how the proponents of the far right, far Hindutva right, you know, invoke Shivaji in a venomous way. They try to 
put him in the mold of a quote-unquote Hindutva leader. And this particular section, which is on page 18 of Who is Shivaji? Kon, Shivaji Kon Hote? Uh, he recalls the, the siege laid by General Sakuji Gayakwad to the Balwadi Fort in 1678. And the chief of the fort was a woman. Her name was Savitri Bai Desai. Warrior woman defended the fort for 27 days. But finally, Sakuji succeeded in conquering the fort and, and inebriated with victory, he raped Savitri Bai. Shivaji heard this and was so angry that he punished Sakuji by blinding his eyes and imprisoning him for the rest of his life. He did not pardon a rapist even though he was his own victorious general. He could do so because he believed sincerely that a woman's modesty, quote-unquote, whoever she may be, must be protected at any cost. There's another story of this kind, the celebrated story of the Kalyan Subeda's daughter-in-law, which has inspired many a poem and song in Maharashtra. This beautiful young Muslim woman was presented to him, that is Shivaji, in his court as a gift by one of his victorious warriors. Shivaji looked at her, this daughter-in-law of Kalyan Subedar, and said, if only my mother was so beautiful. To utter such words, one needs to have rich character and a healthy attitude to beauty, says Pansari. Can we imagine what would happen if such a woman had come in front of today's uncivilized, so-called bucks? So this is the questions that we need to ask when we look at our traditions and history. From our government publications, if we look hard, we can still find a rich tradition of anthropology, sociology and history. This volume, Education Department, Government of Maharashtra, mine is a 1994 volume, Chhatrapati Sahu, The Pillar of Social Democracy. Edited by the late Shri P.B. Salunke, who was an ex-MLA from Kolhapur. Chhatrapati Sahu Maharaj, pillar of social democracy, was a ruler of Kolhapur, as we know. Now, what is so special about Chhatrapati Sahu Maharaj? He ascended the throne of Kolhapur in 1894, bringing an end to the 50-year-old Regency administration. His reign of 28 years, Salunke tells us, from 1894 to 1922, ushered in a new era of social, cultural and economic reforms. He's remembered even today as one of the greatest rulers in Maharashtra. And not that he didn't have his problems when he ruled. Many crises, some natural, others man-made. 1897-98, a widespread famine, followed by plague caused havoc. 1899, the British resident and political agent of Kolhapur was allegedly poisoned. Between 1900 and 1905, there was a conspiracy which he had to tackle. And uh, this was a kind of a conspiracy where the upper classes sort of ganged up uh, against Shahu Maharaj. And there were a lot of caste conflicts and social tensions and legal wranglings. Finally, the controversy was settled in favor of the king and things calmed down. Midst of all this turmoil, what does Chhatrapati Sahu Maharaj do? He carries out comprehensive administrative, economic and social reforms. Law was passed for the abolition of bonded labor and of Mahar, Kulkarni and other hereditary Vatans. 50% reservation was made in government services for backward classes. Boarding houses and educational facilities were established for them. The social-religious Satya Shodak movement started by Mahatma Jyoti Bafole in Pune in 1873, that is 30-40 years before this, was rejuvenated. 
and later the movement spread to other parts of the country, especially South India, in the form of the Justice Party. And of course, all of this led to kind of fuse with the other very, very vibrant, questioning social reform traditions. So poetry, philosophy, mystical spiritual questioning and a liberative politics. We see all of this coming together in these centuries that we've explored and there's so much more to come. Thank you. For more podcasts like this, visit cjp.org.in slash rightscast.